Space Cave from a new location. You can probably hear a cricket in the background still working out some kinks. Although insects, small animals, flying things that hatch from larvae, larvae, that ties in to the discussion today. And one I'm, one I'm excited for you to hear. Uh, it's been a bit. I appreciate everyone who supported the show. Uh, on Patreon throughout this sort of uh, lull period with moving and setting up a new location and a new studio. We had a baby along the way. A lot of things have happened. So I appreciate those of you who did continue to support the show because there have not been a lot of new episodes. There will be going forward. I'm excited to get back into it. And starting off with uh, the first guest that I've interviewed in a while, and it, it got me excited. This is a project that includes music, science, uh, a sort of a, a underpinnings, if not if not a direct message about climate change, all done in a way that is informative, engaging, and you'll hear all about it in the way he goes about it, which I really like, and I hope you go check this show out. Visuals, photography, it just seems very, very cool, very interesting, very different. It's called The Moth Project, and my guest is Peter Kieswalter. <laughs> I'm excited to, as I mentioned, excited to have you here because the the breakdown of this project is sort of exactly what I like talking about on this podcast. It's a a coalescence of art and science, and I love when inspiration and not I I don't know necessarily the word message is the right thing because that sounds so heavy mm-hmm. and like people kind of have like a a little too pretentious of a goatee and swirl their coffee in front of their face. Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you asked <laughs> the, the message. I don't get that sense from it. I think it was you and your brother and six children between the two of you in during quarantine, and it sounds like you yeah. in a lot of ways had kind of an idyllic way to spend the quarantine. Not that it was a great experience, but just being able to be out in the open. A lot of people were in tight, cramped apartments, and you got to be out near a cottage, near nature. Your brother's taking photographs of various species of moths, and he's a botanist. And you as a musician look around at this and think, there's something happening here. And the question I wanted to ask was, was it like a light bulb moment of, oh, I got to do something with this, the climate change, and there's there's uh, a message that needs to be conveyed, or was it just this slow build of like, I think this goes with this, goes with this? Yeah, it, it was slow. Uh, I, uh, and this echo's still here, by the way, but but I, I can work through this. Um, okay. It was not uh, an aha uh, moment. Um, but definitely, uh, I had to figure out in real time what I was going to do for a living. I, I didn't really know at, at that point. Everything had been canceled. 
I was about to go on the road for a year with someone. And um, of course they canceled that. And um, it was idyllic. It was a beautiful place to be. Um, that said, there, there was a lot of trepidation and anxiety and, and what, 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 what am I going to do? Um, but here we were at the, at the family cottage and I had never paid attention to what was around my, my brother had, and, um, he handed me the Robin Wall Kimmerer book and said, maybe re check this out. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the second person within a few weeks to, to, to say you should read this book. Um, and, and I did. What's the name of that book again? Braiding Sweetgrass. Okay. Um, you know, over evening campfires too, I'm watching him take pictures of the moths and we're watching them around the campfire. And uh, there was something about that that resonated with me um, where scientists don't really know what it is about the light that, that attracts them. Um, and here we, we saw a couple of them self-immolate in the, in the fire. And I thought, uh, that's, that's kind of like me. It's, um, it's a bit reckless. And I thought, I know these, these little insects don't have desire or spirit, but, uh, that, that's something that as a reckless freelance musician, it, this, this action um, <laughs> resonates with me. Um, then seeing his pictures, um, I thought maybe there's, a, there's, there's a, a way of combining music and moss if I can find a, a, a personal connection to them. It was a struggle initially because um, how do you sing about the lifespan of a moth without it feeling like you're reading out of a... a, a a science textbook or something. So there was a lot of trial and error and my brother tried to help with lyric ideas and, and none of that worked until I found a connection through my own experience. Um, and that happened to be um, telling the story of my, my, my family and how some of those life events uh, could be tied to, uh, well, um, to, to, uh, to, to moths. Um, so it was, it was a slow build. Yeah. I like when it culminates like that and comes to a place where you, you really start to feel because so many little steps added up that even if it only makes sense to you, it makes perfect sense. And it feels like this compulsion, like, all right, I have to do this. You can put aside the recklessness or like, man, is this a, is this a sound decision? There's just that little artistic yeah. thing that kind of is the voice going, you got to do this. You, it, it doesn't matter if you have to like risk everything else. You, you kind of, you have to offer this up or, or get it out into the world. You, very much for me, hundred percent of my thought and energy went into this for, for quite a while. Um, I've been here before. I've done that kind of thing where a project is all consuming um, and it's tough when there's three, when you have three kids, you got to take care of, because it's been my experience that it takes two, three, four years before a project can, can, um, well become self-sustaining and you can make a living <laughs> off it. And I hate to always tie it back to the practicality of, of paying the rent, but, but that was, um, in, in putting this together, I, I, I always shelved those kind of thoughts. And, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm in year two of this right now. I'm not, 
I'm not paying the rent with this yet, but I, I do know that I'm onto something with this show. Um, and it seems to be resonating with the whole cross section of people that were not a part of my world before. And by that, I mean, climate scientists, museums, botanical gardens, um, scientists, entomologists, universities, um, um, so that, that again, not by design, but it just ha happened to be that, um, and my brother was very succinct in expressing this, his job, his world is going through a paradigm shift in how they share information. Gone is the old modality of throwing a bunch of information at people and hoping that it sticks. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not taking kids on nature hikes anymore and saying, this is this, this is this, this is this. They're, they're trying to say, well, what, what do you think? Uh, so um, when we were invited to the NAI last year, which is the National Association for Interpretation, so a thousand park rangers basically get together every year and discuss the state of their industry and what, what, what's on their agenda. Um, one of their mission statements was to look for artists to possibly collaborate with. Um, so they invited us to, to do their opening night performance because this is exactly at the intersection of what it is that I think that that more and more institutions like museums and scientists are trying to do, which is look to people who know how to make information entertaining. Duh. <laughs> um, um, so th this has all been happy um, side effects of the, the work that, that I did together with, with my brother. Um, uh, but still is a tremendous amount of work. The work that's starting now is getting people to pay attention and to, to uh, you know, which is why I'm on the podcast like this, and and just trying to get the word out there, you know. Yeah, but um, I know how that yeah, goes. Very much started with his pictures at the cottage. My first foray into podcasting was a similar thing of like, well, can we make this fun? And we would have scientists on, and and it was three comedians just goofing around, and exactly right. the same as what you just talked about, getting contacted by science museums and places like, hey, do you want to come record one here? You can interview one of our scientists. And wow. we'd have to be like, we're just goofing around. Like we, we're very, we're going to cover so little of what this person knows. And they'd be like, that's fine. It just gets people interested. Yeah. It gets people out. And it, it gets them yeah. in our space and at least looking around. And I've, I'm fascinated with that. And a similarity, probably a parallel with my background in stand-up, like when I started, you're trying so hard to just kind of figure out how to be on stage and be comfortable. And then flashing forward to a, a intersectional point that you discussed, like the pandemic, whenever you read biographies and it, it just is a comma where someone's life changes. They sold hats, the factory burned down, and then they started making canoes. You don't ever take in the emotional strain that put on them to look at the smoldering ashes of their hat factory and wonder, how do I go on from here? What do I do next? And the pandemic was that for a lot of people, especially live entertainers of like, whew, this is, this is tough. Yeah. And so I think going back to the beginning of like just being on stage and being comfortable and then thinking, well, if, if we're on this ship that seems to be engulfed in flames and we're all just dancing and goofing around for each other, that doesn't feel useful. Is there a way to maybe share some information without it being a lecture or being too heavy handed or being like, now folks over here, the lifespan of a moth is this long and the kids aren't, yep. no one's listening. People are like, ah, whatever. This person's juggling. I'm focusing on this. And I, I, the same, I, I put together a show and I was always fascinated similar kind of to the mods, even in your, there's a little uh, eight minute, sort of bio and that's how i could tell you were beyond just serious with this project 
the time you've put in to the second stage you're talking about, all right, the project's been made, yeah. now it's getting the word out and having to describe it and all the stuff that's not fun, but it really yeah. is useful. And I'll share a link to that. The visuals that are playing on stage, it's inviting. It Just as a casual observer, you see that, you're like, that looks like yeah. a cool show. And I could relate to that so much with stand-up where yeah. I was always trying to incorporate things. How do I make this not boring? How do I make this feel fun and inviting and different and unique and all the things artistically that you want to have be not necessarily innovative, but you're you're searching in all areas to maximize and not just mail it in to do something that's like right. oh th- this is a little extra dash on that there's a little extra energy or effort or and just a little bit yeah. I watched on your show I I could feel that so I'm I'm excited about it. Thanks. Um, I also know that it, it takes more these days. People are consuming music in a different way than they they had when when I started, which was buying records and cds my kids music comes for free on their phone now they're never going to buy a record right yeah uh that paradigm has shifted for musicians as well um we're taking a much or i'm taking a much more visual uh approach um because i think people consume music you know through through a, a visual portals these days whether it be youtube or videos or little clips um I've been interested in that for for a while. It just all sort of came together that summer uh, during the pandemic. And I did get a grant from the Canada Council for the Arts, which took a few months to pull together and for it to be approved. Um, when I did get that, I could take the better part of a year off to, to then really integrate video, get permission, find um, this kind of footage, these macro photographers, um, um, macro photographs get their permission and, and put this all together but that that took about a year after the, the the pandemic summer yeah well good for you for for finding a new thing to put your head down toward because i i feel yeah. like a lot of people just either weren't lucky enough and that's probably a whole other discussion do you feel like you bootstrapped it up and i'm gonna just figure it out or that doesn't work that way in art you don't just put your head down and just start making art you, you need to like listen a little bit or hear something's got to catch your attention or fill your sail a little bit and then but yeah i feel like it was fortunate that you were able to get that grant and breathe life into it and and have the dedication to because i'm sure that wasn't easy to pick back up and put your full effort back into something i gotta also say the book there's this robin wall kimmer book um so she is an indigenous botanist best-selling author, uh, professor of botany in Syracuse. Um, and for me, the daily environmental news was kind of bleak and depressing. I mean, mm-hmm. every day in the paper it was something, right? You know, 100% of worldwide scientists agree that we're screwed. Um, <laughs> the next day, uh, drilling rights granted to Exxon uh, and a formally protected, uh, you know, Arctic, every day was something bad. Mm-hmm. This book offers hope and just asks the reader to consider what it is that they can gift the earth in return for the, for everything the earth gives us, not least of which is the, the privilege of breath. Mm -hmm. Uh, How can I, how can I repay the earth? When I thought about it and, and her answers are, well, you can start with gratitude story choice where we choose to uh, to divert our attention and one of her things was make transformative works of art and um that really stuck with me i said i can do that (laughs) i can do that um 
And again, as you said, not to educate or lecture, but uh, try to accomplish what some of the my favorite writers were doing, which was instill a sense of awe and wonder for the natural world. And if I can do that, then then um, then I'm then I'm successful. You know. Yeah. It feels like if you see a work of art like that, if you see something put together, I would, you know, I think like your kids, you know, you, you grow up with the bands that you know when you're in junior high or high school, you don't realize they're only like five years older than you usually. So then they go with you through life. In your mind, they're adults. They're old people, but they just got out of high school or college and started touring and, and they had a, a hit song. And next thing you know, you're seeing them 10 years later and they're like, well, we just turned 30. And you're like, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm only a few years younger than you. How have you been a part of my life for like a decade? And it feels like youth and it feels like youth goes with youth. And But there's this other thing where I think young people, when they see something made, it can feel very grown up and like, oh, oh grown ups. Oh, geez, that's so lame. And then they see this other side where like, oh, that's what grown ups should be doing. That's cool transformative unique it's thoughtful it's like Mm -hmm. the work from experience it's something that i love this band but they're a little now that i'm getting older now that i am cresting 30 or 40 or whatever i'm outgrowing it a little and you start you start seeking out things that are a little more i don't want to say uh deep or like in depth but just maybe more thoughtful yeah uh that happens over the course of a lifetime, you know, that the older I get, the more into Bach I get. Um, I mean, I know that uh, towards the end of my life, he's going to be God to me. I, I can see it coming. Um, but And I'm, you know, what I'm reading, what I'm interested in also evolves over time as my priorities shift, uh, as I have kids now that are growing up. I'm the oldest of which is at university. Um, thinking about them and um, what kind of legacy I'm, I'm leaving and i don't mean in terms of my work but in terms of how i've modeled uh how i i'm gonna live you know yeah Um, hoping that some of that rubs off on them Um, so this this work feels personal to me um and relevant uh as opposed to writing a bunch of uh, tunes which i've been guilty of for for decades you know but this feels meaningful to me it and i don't you know, I'm not trying to just sell it, but I just my interpretation of the little snippet, the teaser, is that when you mention a, a violinist and certain composers that they are, you know, rooted in and or the style that they are playing in, then the synth and the sound that you hear, it really it conveys a, a sound that isn't just someone like selling something. Oh, I'm going to plink around and do some silly synth loops that are kind of earworms. Right. It has like a, a structure to it where I was I, am, I'm sold. I feel like it's it just has a cool sound and it's not meant to be poppy just to draw kids in, but more it just feels current weirdly because you would you know as you, you don't hear a lot of people like oh I love Bach and then the music that you hear feels like yeah that feels like that could be being made right now by a a, a hip new band. Right, right. So the music over the course of the. 70 minute show is pretty eclectic right um that was conscious in one way to reflect the diversity of the moth species themselves but they are also markers in my lifetime of of uh, of music a lot of this this show is more personal than than um than people might 
understand just from the, the the promo bits when they come see the show they go oh i, I see this. this this is about your family and the moth is just a portal into this narrative arc where i'm, I'm talking about my parents coming from post-war germany to canada in the 1950s and the cottage and um so all of these markers that the, the classical music my degrees in classical music from from canada but i went to new york to study jazz music it's 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 all things that were uh big in my life at, at some point um this this music um uh, so not just picked for the sake of being eclectic or all over the map but the, the, all this music means something to me in my lifetime um you know yeah well, that i think it, it's it's strange to hear it would be weird to hear an artist make anything and say i don't really connect to this at all this means virtually nothing to me you know it all has to come from a place of like i'm expressing whatever it is this anger toward yeah. my father but yeah. this song yeah. you would never guess it from hearing a song but like that's what it is to me okay yeah yeah that checks yeah. out absolutely and this maybe this is switching gears a little bit but i think it in some ways is at the heart of this need or compulsion to to raise awareness or at least attempt to address or say that i'm a i see what's going on because and maybe this is just a thing that in in stand-up a lot of comedians single people and there's a very common trope or or premise that is like wow the planet's in bad shape and having kids is insane that is just you're adding to climate change which i i guess i can understand i don't know that i fully get that to exist in itself is something we're all just trying to process and comprehend at all times it's bizarre to physically and existentially exist and then to be in a universe to be on a planet that at one time was just a rock and is probably pretty happy being that again and yet we're in this golden age, this perfect sweet spot of when yeah. plants and animals and all the, th- all the colors are here. If nothing else, not the species and just the colors and the smells and all the things we get to enjoy from being a part of that nature and feeling like we have a hand in destroying it. I live in California. It's, it's a drought all the time. And I can't tell you how many times I see someone outside just jamming to music washing their car out on the street with their hose. And that is like citywide. Yeah. The neighbors know it. The neighbors yeah. will come out and be like, hey, hey, it's a drought. Please stop doing that. Ah. I know. And so then you just get this bleak feeling of everyone that drives a diesel vehicle loves just leaving it idling. I don't know if it's some weird rite of passage of just like, ah, it's a diesel. It's meant to just run and run and run. And you feel like, okay, we are doomed. And at the same time, when you have kids, is there this feeling like, well, someone's got to solve it. Someone's going to look around and be a part of this next wave that goes, can you believe these monsters before us? We have figured it out and we are doing this. And that makes me hopeful and feel like, yeah, this party's gotten a little cramped and the roof is leaking and maybe it's even on fire. Why would you invite more people? Because they might look around and go, oh, what do you do? Open that window. Do this. Do this. And Mm -hmm. boom, solve it. So that I maybe that's way too optimistic. But I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, um, thoughts being, why did I have kids or, 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 <laughs> how, or how do I see them? <laughs> like making a project like this, is it, is it to, to kind of combat that bleakness, that feeling we all get when we read oh. those articles you're talking about all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, wasn't the first thing in my mind, honestly, it was something that, that I felt uh, re- resonated with me and and uh, could form the basis of an interesting uh, project. Um, again, not to proselytize or or, or to lecture, um, but I felt 
that there was uh, something here that that I could connect uh, in, in some way and, and come up with with with, with a show. Um, that said, again, like w- what you said before, I, I, if I can just start with my kids, instill a sense of curiosity and on wonder in the natural world, like why do can they? Um, recognize a thousand corporate logos, but they couldn't name you ten trees. Yeah, that's uh, troubling um, to f- for me and uh, my kids' generation. That they're not growing up the same way I did. I used to remember driving in the summer in the middle of what they call a n- moth snowstorm. It, like at certain periods of uh, in July, when when generations of moths were born, your windshield wipers was going like this because you're like in a blizzard. <laughs> we, we've lost about seventy five percent of insect biomass in one generation, um, and that's that's troubling. <laughs> yeah, that's troubling. My kids are not going to grow up with that. Um, so, um, I I hope by plugging them into the cottage, and I'm upstate now at my farmhouse that that Whitney and I bought but um by bringing them here I hope that they look and name you a dozen trees and and have a connection to the 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 natural world and I think there's a little bit of that in the in the show as as well like um uh, a bit of nostalgia from my childhood but also um look isn't this incredible like you you mentioned I think Neil deGrasse Tyson has a great way of saying we are so freakishly lucky to be here at this time when all this is, is happening on this rock that you said is floating around in space. Um, you can't believe how lucky you are um, to, to be here right now uh, at, at this moment. I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing not very elegantly, but exactly what you said. It's crazy that we're here right now in this universe, on this planet, um, and we're we're sure helping along the sixth extinction uh, <laughs> uh, by our own actions, you know. Yeah, and it, the way everyone can put their head down and and get through it. I mean, maybe not everyone can. They just if you're consumed by it, and it would be hard to be a botanist or anyone in the sciences, you know, biological world in particular, where you're dealing with entire species being wiped out monthly. And just go, yeah. well, all right, cross that one off. And then maybe you make yeah. a discovery and you find something new. Or maybe there is something that gives you some level of hope. Like, well, hold on. There's some level of evolution happening where this new thing is replacing it or coming into existence. Or yeah. Earth is just going to kind of find a way in a Jurassic Park sense. But I can see why people – when they say – it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, the Earth itself, yeah. The, the spinning yeah. orb. Uh, but I think of – the <clears throat> the ignorance is bliss as though people are ignorant without any choice in the matter. And sometimes it feels like people are choosing to just ignore this stuff because it is too heavy and it is too much to take on. Like, well, I'll just go to music festivals and take a bunch of you know, mind-altering substances and kind of disappear from it for a little bit. And that's fun and that's enjoyable. And I am existing, so why not take advantage of it? And then if that means all the bugs on the grass where I was standing are trampled and that whole species is gone – so be it. But I had fun. It feels like that sums up humanity. Why has knowledge become so politicized, right? Like uh, at this point, why is there still uh, a 
a, a significant portion of society that 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 chooses not to believe <laughs> what the world scientists are telling us. You know, there's this this um, yeah, it's it's beyond ignorance. Um, it's uh, it's um, I, I kind of don't understand it, but I, I do think this show also um, uh, is very bipartisan for lack of a, a better word like everyone wants a clean backyard and clean drinking water right no one wants uh um a scorched earth at, at, at this point so I, I think there's a lot of cross pollination between all ideologies when it comes to uh, saving the earth um i just think it's become such a hot button topic because um um, that, that's just what has happened in the in the last couple of couple of decades. Yeah. Did you give any thought to? Well, I, I'll back up with the bipartisan thing. Thinking that like people that might have certain types of vehicles or bumper stickers, or maybe they in within that uh, revere a certain dynamic, which is a little more God and guns. But to go hunting, you want you don't want to see a bunch of candy wrappers on the ground. You want it to be clean. Right. You want the water the ducks are in to be clean. So there's a shared commonality there. We all want that. And then exactly. the God element, the Garden of Eden. Don't you want things to yeah. be clean in that way? So getting back to that, there's. it feels like, though, that someone could come to your show and see how one of the performers is dressed or their haircut. Or maybe they're wearing a pin that espouses some mm-hmm. sort of, hey, you know, respect for this faction of humanity. And that person would go, oh, I'm getting out of here. Too political for me. And did you right, give right. any thought to, like, how do we dress everybody? How does everyone look so that it's just purely accessible? Never gave it any thought, um, honestly. I mean, so where I am in upstate New York, my neighbors are all, um, not all, but a significant number of them have, you know, Trump signs on their on their lawns. And they're great neighbors up here because um, you can rely on them. They've been super helpful. We look out for each other. Um, and they want exactly what I want, which is to maintain the, the, uh, the biodiversity of this ecosystem up here. We don't... We don't want monoculture up here. Um, we want to keep it keep it diverse. And I think part of the aim of the show is also to show the not only the importance of biodiversity, um, the beauty of it, and how, uh, like in ecosystems, everyone flourishes when there's a diverse ecosystem. You know, when when uh, um, different species rely on each other in terms of their survival. Um, that 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 is a good thing, yeah. And that translates to cultural diversity as well. They go hand in hand, bio and cultural diversity. People thrive when there's um, diverse demographics, um, as opposed to one. Absolutely, yeah. I completely, you know, yeah. I I mean, I think my parents. It was tough for the high school that my sister and I went to because a lot of people would go, "Whoa, whoa, that's kind of a dangerous one." What it really was was just right. very like culturally diverse and in the end it ended up being great for everybody you know you learn about other people's cultures you learn about you know and this division that seems to permeate things mostly on the news i guess i think within climate change in particular everyone's arguing about it and yet everything can be persuaded financially if fuel fossil fuels cost x amount of dollars people are going to shift or take public transit or whatever the 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 alternative may be and even those companies that drive those sort of demands 
our advertising about we're using algae or we're building better electric vehicles or we're going to be, you know, fewer emissions. These are the yeah. same companies that fuel all these big pickup trucks and like, I don't believe in that stuff. I drive this big truck. Like, but can't, there has to be some acceptance there that everyone is angling toward an, a very predictable future. And just a lot of people along the way are just dragging their heels. Like, no, 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 everything's fine. Everything's normal. That's all fake. It's good. I grew up this way. I want to keep doing it. I don't want it to change. So maybe that's a part of it. Just humans have a, it, and I, I'm rambling a little bit, but with the music, with it being, you know, uh, like you said, like purposefully cultivated, is it meant to invoke maybe for people like, oh, that reminds me of the past a little bit? Because is that important? People are like, yeah, this is too futuristic and modern. I'm a, I'm a never change, you know, traditionalist from the past kind of person. Right, right. So the, the question is, <laughs> just when you said the music was like cultivated purposely. Yeah. meaning to like invite you know i'm just picturing someone coming in that maybe if you you see them at the door and you're like oh boy i don't think this person's going to enjoy it but then do you yeah. think oh but there's this song and i wonder if if they stick it through will this song get them and they'll kind of find themselves bobbing their head or, or tilting their just whatever I've, it is to kind of lean in i never make assumptions on what people are going to like based on what what their bumper stickers or what they're wearing because i've seen uh beethoven uh appeal to people of all stripes colors walks of life uh, when the music speaks for itself um it's it's pretty powerful i, I it, just because they they didn't go to a music conservatory or or when when people hear beethoven for the first time or bach it's 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 pretty powerful um so i i didn't pick songs to appeal to different factions of an audience or something again they they were more uh, personal points of my musical education and my musical life that just help tell the story of, um, of, of, of this, of, of what I'm, what I'm talking about <laughs> in this show. Um, and I know good music reaches people, even if you're not maybe a fan of classical music, when you, when you're a captive audience member is going to hear, you know, Beethoven's Ode to Joy and go, that's maybe not my cup of tea, but holy shit, that, that's, that's a pretty powerful piece of music. Yeah, um, you see it all the time, you know, like online these little uh, headline things of look at so and so's reaction, hearing whatever "Stairway Heaven" for the first time or Beethoven's "Ode to Joy" for the first time. Okay, all right, all right. Um, and but it, it really just helped to 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 tell the the story. There's one tune we do where we string together five different slow mo videos of five different kinds of moths in slow motion flight. And um, they're all very different, and five different pieces of music told the story the best. Um, so it starts with some solo Bach on a company violin, and there's, uh, there's a Frank Sinatra tune in there. There's a, there's a piece by Bernard Herrmann, which is uh, you know, from an Alfred Hitchcock movie. There's a Chikoria tune, who's one of my favorite jazz musicians of all time. So it's very different, but it really underscores the visual thing quite effectively. Um, um, yeah, to, for me, the eclectic music choices came naturally. I have my foot in the past as much as I do in the present and future. Um, I'm not any one particular, like I'm not an expert at classical music like Whitney is. I'm not a jazz musician, although I've devoted significant years of my life to studying 
jazz. And that's why I came to New York. This is where music was, this kind of music was invented, you know? Um, but I, uh, I, I have a, I have a profound respect and understanding for a pretty wide swath of, of, um, of music genres. And they, they come pretty naturally to me when I need to plug them into this show. I'm not thinking, Hmm, I think I should do something respectable and old and German here. Um, <laughs> I, let me Google respectable German composer. You know, I, these are things I pull from my 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 memory banks. Like, this is what I played on my recital 32 years ago. I'm gonna play this to underscore the Sucropia moth taking flight here. Um, you know, it, those were all pieces from my from uh, from my past. All the music on the show. I love it, and I I think I've kind of prodded at the idea that you know there was an angle or a. a a, a sort of oh I'm doing this for this but I like that just the impetus for all of it was I'm making this project and people can receive it however that is and whoever they yeah. are but I'm just starting from this speaks to me I felt so, so my modus operandi and I tell my kids since I've been and I'm pushing 60 at this point so I've been doing this since I was 18 is if I dig it chances are there's going to be a few other people out there that think it's cool as well and that's that's my compass um in terms of aesthetic if i think it's cool then then i think there's going to be a few people that, that also think it's cool <laughs> it's so that's hard to by. yeah i mean it's hard to you have to have that etched into something in your soul to believe it because you know when it's not enough people or or no yeah. people and you still go yeah. but i think it's good it's it's hard to live with that it's hard to walk around and oh, yeah have great self-esteem and feel like, no, no, it was good. It's, it's tough. The longer I do this, the lower my self-esteem gets, uh, the more <laughs> I question myself, the, the less I think I know. Um, way more confidence when I was 10. Um, yeah. You know, I, I actually, part of my life's journey is to get to that point where I was 10 years old, where I could do no wrong. Everything just flowed. Uh, I was firing on all cylinders. Um, uh, you know, it's we, we we develop a lot of blocks as adults um, that we don't really have as 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 kids. Um, we second guess ourselves. Um, um, but like I say, the the more I I learn, the more I know. The the uh, um, uh, the more anxiety I get about this. And, and you, you're right. We. we deal with a lot of rejection and, and a lot of um, failure, especially when you're sticking true to, to, to your own thing, you know? Um, uh, but I've done this before. I've been here before. And I know it takes three to four years for a project to take, to, to lift off. And, and um, so I'm, I don't, it, it's hard not to take the rejection personally, but I, I do know I've been here before. <laughs> I know that there's, <laughs> there's another year or two, of, of slogging this out uh but before i get to the point where where i might i might be able to make a living for a, a couple of years off of this it's it's not oh, there yet i hope you do and i hope i hope you're shortchanging it with your estimation or expectation because i feel like <laughs> i'm sure you get a lot of this be it friends and people you have coffee and they go well you know so and so never made it in their living in their living career, but later, and you're like, I what? I don't want to. I don't want to live that life. Yeah. I don't want people to stumble yeah. upon me forty years after I'm gone. However, right, those right. people tend to have that thing in common, which they did something that no one was really doing or paying attention to. And this project yeah. is definitely different and unique, and something that I'm certainly not getting pitched at me every week. 
And so I think when people catch on to it and because it doesn't have an agenda or it's not like, oh, you're wearing the same pin as me. You'll like this. It's just, oh, you're a human. I think you might like this. Yeah. That could get to a really cool spot. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. You've touched on a little bit, you know, your childhood or or your life being woven into it. I don't know how much of that you want to share, but like the little bit I catch is, you know, the cottage, the, the outdoor life running around and then how much did music factor in like with your family? Would you sit around as a family and like play instruments all together? Um, I think my dad being a, a part of the born guilty generation in Germany, like so he was a kid during the war, he wasn't allowed to pursue music as a vocation by his parents. And funnily enough, when it came time after high school to, to pick a vocation, I wanted to go into music. Uh, both my parents were like, no. No, it's uh, I actually left the house to to study music, but um, like in a blow up kind of way, like I'm no, fun. no, just like if you want to study music, you got to do this on your own. So I, I I moved out after studying economics for two years. But wow, um, what I want to say was yeah, um, uh, again, German immigrant comes to Canada, and this sort of ties in with the the ma thing. A lot of immigrants come to the new world and they spend a lot of time just kind of trying to blend in, especially if if you're a German immigrant. A lot of them came to Canada and the United States and didn't want people to know that they were German. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they were Swiss. I mean, even Austrian was better than being uh, German, you know? Yeah. Um, and I saw a lot of similarity with the lifespan of moths in that who spend the majority of their life actually hiding blending in, working hard um, <laughs> before they build a cocoon and emerge as, as, uh, as a moth, you know. Um, and certainly that was the case with my folks and with all of our friends of their generation that came from, from, from Germany. It was like uh, they're escaping an oppressive situation somewhere and we, we just want to make a better life for our kids and, and blend in and not stick out, you know. I um, found that very interesting when I read about the, uh, you know, the four stages of a moth's life. Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question about if music. Um, uh, I showed an aptitude early on, um, uh, kind of self-taught. Uh, but all I can say is that when it came time to d- d- decide on a vocation, my folks were not that cool about it being uh, my, my career choice. You know. Um, we see that so frequently in movies where you, your protagonist is told, no, you can't do that. You right. know, sometimes the mother's the one, oh, let him, let him do that. And then they right. go off and they become the best, whatever. Or sometimes you need that little bit of, you're not supposed to do this. You, to, I know I've certainly talked to like comedian friends that are like, well, no wonder they're doing great. Their parents didn't want them to do this. Like, what a crazy yeah. thing to be envious of. But you could see like in their mind, like, well, that, it, it, you know, imbued them with this drive this desire and this absolute like compunction to i have to do this yeah i mean to to pick a life in this or i mean i think stand-up is the loneliest uh art form it's brutal (laughs) you got no one to hide behind yeah there's no band there's no rhythm section there's no outfits it's like whoa you're naked and alone uh, up there it's amazing but to choose this kind of life, I think maybe the parents are just are just thinking, oh, my God, we just heard horror stories about how hard it is to, to do that. And 
for me, it was, um, and what, what I'll tell anyone else who wants to pursue the arts is make sure that you have no other choice. <laughs> um, it's, it's really hard and it's just gotten harder, uh, to, to get gigs, to make people pay attention. Um, you know, certainly as a musician where you used to get hired to play recording sessions, you know, they needed a violinist, all that stuff is, is I mean, it's done with samplers, you know? Yeah. I spent six years, I was resident composer at ABC television for six years. And I just got the last wave of, at that network, uh, them using real composers. Um, you know, they would still hand me a tape and say, this is going to air tomorrow at five thirty. We need music. Um, wow. And, um, when I left at, in 2005, they were starting to incorporate this more, MTV style of editing where they were using CD, uh, CD sound libraries. Um, and now as we, we know artificial intelligence will be cranking out underscoring for, for shows if it already isn't, um, you know, give me an ominous thing that combines, uh, Bernard Herman with Radiohead, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's gotten, it's gotten harder to do, uh, um, to do what we do for, for a living. So I think there's a lot of, um, uh, conviction and certainty that, that, that you have to have to, to pursue something like that when there's a million other things you could do to make a living. You know? Yeah. Uh, this kind of goes back to kids and, uh, we moved a few months ago and there was a whole bunch of like landscaping stuff to be done just to kind of not have to worry about invasive weeds and different species of things. Yep. And then I made this little like back patio out of bricks that were just kind of strewn about the yard. And yeah, it was yeah. a lot of outdoor work. And the landlord, when he came at one point, he was helping me do some stuff or I was helping him. And then he, we were sitting there kind of just relaxing after and he's like, does your wife think that you're insane or does your partner think you're insane? And I was like, yeah, probably. But I, he goes, why, why are you doing this? And I was like, well, at the time he was two, but I was like, you know, my son likes it and he gets to see me do it. And I think that's an important thing. He goes, oh yeah, my son, like, we'll just be playing video games. I'm like, hey buddy, why don't we go out and do this? And he goes, ah, why don't we just hire somebody? And that's like the end of the discussion. Right. He, and I think, yeah. not that any sort of like wheels turned in his head or gears clicked into place, but sometimes the, there's a great James Baldwin quote that I can't remember, but it's essentially like children very rarely listen, but they almost never fail to, to follow by example. And, and so following your dreams, doing something you're passionate about, risking it, you know, people or men, let's say people lead lives of quiet desperation to be an artist. You're living a less quiet life. You're, you're saying it to some degree that like, not that you're desperate to succeed, but you're desperate to like do what you want. And that can be tough for a child, I think to watch, but I also think it can be hard for them to see a parent be real successful at something they never wanted to do. So I would guess what you're doing is for your children, a very valuable thing. Absolutely. There's not a lot I can give them. And, uh, you know, I won't be funding their, their, uh, university educations, um, with a blank check. Uh, I can't afford that, but I can leap by example or live by example and say, um, uh, I hope you guys have a passion and I hope you follow it. Um, don't, don't let, least of all me or your mom tell you what it is that you should be doing. I hope it's something uh, really takes over 
um, your 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 passion that you 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 pursue that even if it is acting, God forbid. <laughs> oh my God, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, you talk about like how difficult it is, and people here in LA where I live striking for, to not have AI take over a majority of their yeah. existence. Like, hey, I'm a SAG. Yeah background actor and i make enough to get by and pay my rent and i can feel like i'm doing it i'm in entertainment please don't replace me with computer generated imagery oh yeah it's (laughs) it's here it's coming oh my god it came in a hurry didn't it it really did yeah all these sort of dystopian sci-fi projections really showed up quickly yeah yeah and yet like yeah I, i envy i envy writers uh um it seems musicians uh, are the uh, are the well we uh, we are our own worst enemies musicians there's always another musician that'll do it for the exposure or for do it for less money or for no money um we have a pretty powerless union the mm-hmm. AFFM is uh, they can barely hang on to the last bastion of their power which is the broadway pits here in new york where whereby each theater requires a certain amount of musicians for a show but they're they're being uh challenged on that like constantly right now um shows wanted to come in using 100 percent track uh, and not use any musicians um, there's all sorts of concessions being made because musicians will make those concessions um you know um i mean why is it that i'm buying books I mean, I, I want to, but music is, is this free commodity. It's yeah. literally free. It, it, to um, me, it goes to the heart of like having something to say. And so going back to the strike, the people at the top were like, I would sell children body parts if it meant my number of commas in my bank account could go up. And yeah. the people on the other end that are striking are like, but when I get this job, my friends throw me a party and it's like my dreams came true. And so I have a little less leverage in this equation because I need it because it's my whole spirit. My whole soul is a part of doing this and yours is just your bank account. And art has always been that way. If you go back to like pre-dystopian future and think of the American West, someone might be playing a fiddle and boots walk in and you hear gold coins hit a, a countertop. And you'd say, well, that, everything there is very physical, tangible, the violin or the fiddle made from wood and the strings. And then you go to the future and cyborg cops are coming into a room and what's playing over in the corner, it's your project. And so you'd say, wait a second, I'm a part of it? Like we always have been. Mm-hmm. If you're making stuff, you're part of this future that I can't tell you how many stand-up stories have been, hey, I got 200 bucks to do like 20 minutes of this college. And then you find out from the college that they, play, they paid blah, blah, blah booking company, $1,500. And that happens all the time. And those people who've been the $1,500 and give you $200 people have always been above the artists because they know they have that leverage. They're like, this person wants to do it and they will do it. They're not going to stop. They're not going to go on strike because it's like their soul coming out of them. So that's a tough one to navigate successfully. But I, I'm glad you're yeah. making this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hear you. <laughs> that resonates with me for sure. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. This, this this project really, like, I feel a connection to it, and I'm, I'm so glad you're doing it. And, like, for whatever efforts and toil and turmoil it's caused you, I hope it has been worth it because I, I just love that you made it and that it's coming out into the world, and I hope people support it and go see it. The Moth Project. Uh, yeah. Peter, it's been it's been a pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. Let's hopefully do oh, this man. again when you're touring with it and, and it's done 
backflips for you. Um, I hope so too. Uh, it's, especially next year, we'll, we'll hit that coast um, at, at some point. I know we are. We're doing some shows this month as we release this book and the record. We're playing um, at the National Arts Center in Canada at, um, in two nights, and then Toronto a couple nights after that. We just played New York City a couple nights ago. We're rolling this out Amazing. slowly. This oh, month it's great and beyond. Well, if you have ticket links or a place where people can get VIP, I'd love to send those out and share them. Always on the, the website, um, the um, mothprojectlive.com, right on the f- front pages of the shows and ticket links to every show that we're doing, um, including there's a merch tape uh, page and, and videos page and pictures and a little bit of information on there. It's always the, the safest place to go to check out where we might be or what we're, what we're doing. Excellent. Well, I'm excited. I love it. And thanks for sharing a bit of time. And and I hope the project is a a, a smashing success. And when you hear about these Broadway shows that just exceed everyone's expectations, I hope Uh hope in a couple of years I can't go anywhere without hearing people talk (laughs) about it and 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 sing in the loops from the songs that they love. And we go, all right, all right, I'll go check it out. But I'll be ahead of the curve on that. Yeah, no, I will. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, Peter Keeswalter, this was a delight, and good luck going forward. Pleasure being here. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Mothprojectlive.com. Go see a show. And if you do, say, hey, I heard you on the Space Cave. I liked it. Uh, I like when, you know, sometimes people reach out or their publicists reach out. And like I said to him, a lot of times they are people who did very well in business or something where I just get the sense that they are a go-getter and that uh, doing the press junket or whatever a, a podcast falls into, whatever category it falls into, is just a step in the road for them to do that. So I usually say no because I picture the person just going through kind of this rehearsed sort of, uh, oh, yeah, 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 then I did this and then it's on to the next thing and it's just all a part of their agenda to get the word out and become better at doing business. And so I like to keep this show more about artists and scientists and what a great project to to combine those two things. I really enjoyed chatting with Peter and can identify with a lot of the um, the the components involved in putting together a gigantic project. And I don't know. I've done it a number of times as well. And uh, there, it has its own rewards. It also does make you feel a little bit um, not completely sane at times. But looking back, I'm always glad that I have done them. And I can say without even having seen the Moth Project, just the – I keep mentioning this little like eight-minute teaser they made, but just the little visuals they share and a bit about the show, I'm so glad that he made it. And I, so I, again, I hope you go see it. Um, haven't included Dan in this new episode. This is just step one. I'm going to try to get back on track with doing more and more and more, um, not just episodes, but keeping up with the pace of it. It's challenging. Obviously, now I have a new baby in the picture that doesn't make things easier as far as free time goes, but I'm going to do my best. I'd like to keep this show ad-free. It is made possible by contributions from listeners just like you. I think in this modern age we live in, it is nice every now and again to have something where you're not inundated with ads throughout that you can just listen, however, whether that's through headphones, earbuds, earpods, AirPods. Whatever you use, maybe you're just sitting in front of your computer, maybe it's playing in your car, and just have the conversation happen without being interrupted. I think, for whatever reason, that has some value. So I'm glad you have found this show, and if you haven't, 
spread the word at all. Maybe you've listened to a few episodes and you're like, I kind of like this. Tell someone else. And we'll grow a little community. And as I keep mentioning, you can join the Patreon community, which really does help sustain it, make it worthwhile, motivate me to keep making more and adding some behind-the-scenes things as well. Anyway, um, good to be back. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Here is a song by the band Now Now. It's called Threads. I hope you like it. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. But